on the last last week of November, and our whole theme this month has been the commandments. Amen. And our feature scripture has been from John 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, you know, when you, when you love someone, you want to please them. Isn't that true? Uh, those of you can remember your dating days. You wanted to do everything to please that person. If, if you didn't like Tupperware parties, you went to Tupperware parties. <laughs> if, if you didn't like watching football, you watched football. <laughs> right? Because you wanted to please that person. You wanted to impress that person. You wanted to, to show your love for that person. So love is a, is, a, is, a, is a verb. It's an action. It's not just a word, a noun. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we've been studying some of his commandments this month. And we're going to finish up uh, this, this session with looking at his commandments to the seven churches. But just as a, a refresher, we'll go over some of the ones we've been doing. His main um, commandment, as soon as he had been baptized, he started preaching. And he said, repent. What does repent mean? Turn around. Change. It's not just being sorry. Because if you're sorry for getting caught, that's not really uh, a change. But, but it's, it's a godly sorrow that makes you change and want to do something different. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or has come near you. Then he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this, of course, is the summation of the law because if you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, if you could possibly do that 24-7, 365, then you would have kept the law. But truly none of us can do that. You know, we, we get up every morning and we say, this is going to be a great day. It's going to be a wonderful day until someone cuts us off in traffic. <laughs> and then that takes away our peace and our joy or somebody at work says something to you, you know, out of season, so to speak. It's so easy for our mood to change because our hearts are so fickle. But God wanted us to be able to love him 24-7. If, if we could have done that, then we could have fulfilled the law. Then here's another one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ooh, that's a hard one too sometimes, right? The Bible says that love those that despitefully use you. Oh, my goodness. People who despitefully use you, that means they, they have abused you. Wow, that, that takes something to love people like that. Here's another one. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's known as the Great Commission, and that was after he resurrected. He told his disciples now that this thing was not just for the Jews. During his lifetime, Jesus somewhat restricted his disciples where they went. He told them, just go to the to the Jewish villages. Don't go by the Samaritans. He even told that woman, listen, I was sent to the household of Israel. But after they rejected him, after his resurrection, it was open to whosoever will. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. Amen. Whosoever will. Amen. Make disciples of all nations. That doesn't exclude anyone. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, that was called the Great Commission. Then here's another one. He says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last. 
and the servant of all. Now, that doesn't seem to make sense, right? Amen. It seems that if you want to be top, then, you know, the world's way of, of getting to the top is clawing everybody out the way, elbowing everybody out the way and scratching and putting everyone down so that you can, you, that's the world's philosophy of getting to the top. But Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. In fact, it's amazing. The Bible says about Moses that he was the meekest man. God chose someone who wasn't someone who was wanting to be up front. You know, that's who he chooses. It's people who are humble, who are not going to take the glory for themselves because he wants to get the glory. Amen. All glory belongs to him. So if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Amen. Mark 9, 35. And then we have in Mark, again, a repetition. Repent and believe the good news. What's the good news? That's right. Jesus, Jesus came and died for our sins. And on the third day, he rose again. Isn't that something? That's the good news. Of course, the good news by itself doesn't tell us what to do. All it tells us is the good news. There's more to the good news than that. It's your response to the good news that, that saves you. Because lots of people have heard about Jesus coming and dying, but what was their response? Some of them said, no, we don't believe. And some of them on the day of Pentecost said, what shall we do? So when our response is, what shall we do? Then God can work with us because we're open to being directed. Amen. Now, here's another one that's a hard one. Do, do to others as you would have them do to you. Amen. Of course, uh, that's, that's known as the golden rule, right? The golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And then, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Wow. Wow. Like if we were to take inventory right now, someone you know who hates you. Just... just Think about, is there someone you know who hates, don't put up your hand, don't, 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 don't do anything. Just, just think about someone who's got it in for you right now. Can you love them? Can you forgive them? You know, you know how I do it? I told you how I do it. I picture them as an innocent baby. <laughs> Whoever hated babies? Come on now. Who, whoever just looked at a baby and said, I hate you. <laughs> No. So that's how I do it. I think of them as an innocent baby. They, when they came into this world, they were an innocent baby. It's all the things that have uh, come into this world that have corrupted them and how they dealt with it. But, but a baby, who can hate a baby? So forgive and you will be forgiven. Here's another one. Take up your cross and follow me. Uh, someone called me last night and we were talking about different crosses and I said no I don't want your cross and you don't want my cross (laughs) maybe I can't pick up your cross and you probably wouldn't like my cross it may look good you know maybe it looks like a gold cross but maybe it's too heavy and maybe your one's a big old wooden one that's too heavy for me it's got splinters in it I don't want to be picking that up but the Bible tells us we've got our own cross Jesus said whoever would come after me let him first you got to deny yourself. That means put your own wishes and wants secondary to God. Now, that's a, that's a hard thing because our flesh wants all kinds of stuff, doesn't it? Amen. Have you put in your Christmas list yet? <laughs> Amen. Take up your cross 
and follow me. That was a command of Jesus. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. That's another tough one because once we get to be adults, we start to worry. Like when we were a child, do you remember worrying about the mortgage payment when you're a six-year-old? Or who's paying the electric bill? No, you don't. You, you, you think that just happens automatically. When I, re- I told you the story before when I was small and I heard about my dad going to work to make money. I took that literally. I thought he was at some place and he was actually <laughs> making money. I thought it was some place where you actually, you know, got a stamp and you made your own money or something. I don't know how. In my little four-year-old brain, I thought that's how it worked. Or it was something on a tree or something. You know, you went to make money. But that's how God wants us to be. To be Bible says, except you become converted. And as a little child, when we get old, we start to worry about things. And yet we don't have any control about them. Right? We don't have any control about most of the things we worry. So in the end, it doesn't do any good. Jesus said, if by thinking about it, can you make yourself taller? No. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. In, in that same uh, chapter, Matthew 6, I told you that my, my mother had given us this Bible as when we got married. And, and it had, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. That, that's all she gave us as a wedding present <laughs> 46 years ago. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. And I, I wanted money. I didn't want no Bible. I mean, I didn't mind the Bible, but I wanted, I was hoping to open it and find some money or something in it. But no. But there was something greater than money, the word of God. When you put God first, he will put you first. When you look about his business, he will always look about your business. And all I can say is God has been so faithful. He has never let me down. As I've said so many times, I have failed him, but he has never failed me. Amen. So this was a command of Jesus not to worry. Now, how do you not worry? How do you not worry? Trust, yes. How do you trust? Well, I know how I know how David did. He thought about past victories. He thought about the time when he faced the lion. He thought about the time when he faced the bear and he said, You know, God, you delivered me out of these things. So what I'm facing now is not as big as that. So that's that's one way is to think about what God has already done, Sister Brownie. Amen. That's right. Cast your cares upon him. Uh, We should make our, our, our supplications known with thanksgiving. It's not that we don't have needs. And it's not that we're not to ask or pray. But we're, we're not to just be totally paralyzed by the situation. We, if we trust God, he's got it. I mean, as I've said, what parent doesn't know when their little child needs some shoes? Right? You already know when they're starting to grow and they need some shoes. 
you, they don't even have to ask most of the time. You, you're already thinking about when can I uh, get, get some shoes for them. That's what God is doing for us. There's been times before I asked for him for something. <laughs> he did it. Amen. He did it. He just, he just showed up and did it before I even asked him for something. Amen. Because as the song we said, he's a good, good father. He is a good, good father. So one of the commands was do not worry about your life. And that can only come when you totally trust. When you totally trust. When, when my parents told me they were going to get me a train set, it wasn't if they were going to get me a train set. It's when they're going to get me a train set. Well, as soon as they said it, I just trusted it was going to happen. I just believed they had the ability to do it. Amen. Sister Brownie. Amen. We Amen. It, it it's it is a work, but it's a work of faith. Amen. And that only comes from from experience and patience. When you've been through some things, then you 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 start to know God can take you through what you're facing. But the first time it's always scary. But once God has taken you through, Sister Phyllis. Amen. Yes, Sister Phyllis said about worry. You know, sometimes as pastor, I look at the church and I start to, you know, let's say worry. And then, then, the, then it comes back to me. Hey, hey, it's not your church. <laughs> it's not your church. Right? Whose church is it? So why are you worrying about it? You just do your part. It's not my church. All right? It's his church. He died for you. Now, I didn't die for you. It's his church. And so it's so easy in our, in our fleshly, um, you know, ways to just start to worry and, well, how's this going to work out and what's going to happen next? But that's what he said, to trust me. Amen. That was one of his commands. Then verse 12, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. So he was saying that, yeah, we are called to do, do good. We are called not to just come in here and encourage one another, but do good out there. Amen. And that's why we try and, and help people, even if they don't come to this church, we try and help them. Amen. So that's what we, we some of the commands we covered over the first three weeks. But now we're going to cover his, some specific commands that Jesus gave after, well after his resurrection to the seven churches that are in Revelation. And because this scene was so specific. We know that God had a reason for doing it. If you remember the, the opening of Revelation, it says, 
I, John, was on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God. Uh, the tradition is that he was exiled to that island because the emperor at that time, his name was Domitian, tried to kill him, tried to boil him in oil, and it didn't work. So, so since he wouldn't die, he just exiled him to this island. And the, the book of Revelation is really not John's revelation, but it's the book of Jesus' revelation. Let's just look at it. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You know what day he's talking about? Sunday. In the, in the, old, uh, in the early church, the first day of the week, which was Sunday, uh, was, was called the Lord's day because on upon it he resurrected. So when he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, it means it was a Sunday. It was the first day of the week. And I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. Now, it's interesting because there was a lot more churches than that in the time of both Paul and, and John, the Apostle John. But God chose those seven churches as types, as symbolic representing types of things that the church and, and individuals deal with. So we're going to study that today to see what we can glean. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, where were the seven golden candlesticks normally? In the tabernacle and in the temple. They were in the tabernacle or in the temple. So, he sees Jesus standing amongst the seven golden candlesticks. And you understand then that what it's symbolizing is Jesus is our high priest. Do you see that? And he's officiating in the heavenly temple. The candlesticks give us the clue as to what's going on. He sees Jesus. Remember now in the, in the earthly tabernacle, uh, there was the curtain and there was the first room called the holy place. And in the holy place was the seven, uh, seven candlestick, uh, what they call the menorah. And then there was on your right a table with 12 loaves of bread. And then right in front of you by that second curtain was the golden altar of incense. So now what we're seeing in Revelation is a fulfillment of Hebrews 9 verse 1 where it says Christ has now entered the heavenly tabernacle there to minister on our behalf. When the high priest went in, he was doing it on behalf of the people. He would take their sacrifice in before God. And so when we see Jesus standing amongst the seven candlesticks, what we're seeing is the fulfillment of what's going on now. We're in the church age still. The reason why you, can get, you and I can get forgiveness is because the Bible says we have a high priest. We have an advocate with the Father, amen, who is continually making what? 
Intercession. Intercession. I have the best lawyer, better than Johnny Cochran, better than any uh, Lee Harvey, whatever, whatever lawyer you want to think. I have the best lawyer because he's had my charges dismissed. <laughs> what was worse is I was guilty. Amen. I was guilty, but he's had them dismissed because someone came in and paid in full. Isn't that great? Amen. So John sees this scene in the heavenly scene and he sees Jesus now operating as our high priest. And he's standing among the seven candlesticks. And then there's a revelation given that each one of the candlesticks represents a church. So now we, we understand the symbolism in the temple that each candlestick represented a church. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like the unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters and he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength so basically he couldn't really look at him too good and when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. And we'll remember that, that, that last verse. I have the keys of hell and death. Now Jesus then starts to tell him to write down some things that he is to He's commanded to write down to each of the seven representative churches. We'll go over them in summary first. The first church is Ephesus. And I've just put, we're going to go back in detail. He says, remember the height from which you have fallen. So this was a church that started out really on fire for God. But something had, you know, made them get lukewarm. Something had kind of cooled their passion, their first love. And the command is repent and do the things they did at first. Remember when you were first dating? Calling them up all the time. <laughs> Taking them out all the time. Buying them little things all the time. Do your first love. Do you still love God that much? Amen. Do, are you still in love with Jesus? Repent and do the things they did at first. This was a command from Jesus to the Ephesian church. And if they do not repent, their lampstand will be removed. So here again, we have a direct clue what the lampstand represents. The Bible says that you are a light, a city set on a hill, right? So the lampstand represents light. We are supposed to be something that gives off light. Not as much heat, but, uh, but light. That means we, we show the way. Amen? And so there, the main thing he said to the church of Ephesus was to repent. Turn around. Do you still love me? Do you still 
you still want to, to be with me. Do the first things you did. You know, when you, when you want to, to interest a, a lady, right, you, you, you go out of your way. You buy all the chocolates and all of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, so many years after, you don't, you don't do the same things. <laughs> the funny thing is when I used to buy chocolates, she didn't like it. But now if I don't buy the chocolates, I hear about it. <laughs> Amen. Well, I did one thing. I went shopping. How's that? See, that's a sacrifice for most men, right? Well, the second second place we, I sat in the car. <laughs> so the first church, the command that Jesus told them was to repent, to do their first works. When you marry someone or when you're in, there, there must be something about them that interested you, that you thought was special, right? Um, and and, and if, you, if, you, if you can just recapture that, what was it about when you first came to Christ that had you so excited? What was that? If you can recapture what it is about Christ. Let's look at the second church, Smyrna. Do not be afraid of what they're about to suffer. Smyrna was a church that was under a lot of persecution. Here is his command to the churches. Be faithful, even to the point of death. And you're going to receive a crown of life. The Smyrna church was in a place, and in fact, that word Smyrna comes from the root word, which is myrrh, which was an embalming thing. Uh, and represented death. It was a church that was under a lot of persecution. And then we go to the third church, Pergamon, or Pergamus. Again, he tells them, repent, because they had some false teachings. They had picked up all kinds of false teachings. It says, and he, he tells them which false teachings, Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. If they do not repent, Jesus said, I'll, I'll be fighting against you. With the sword of his mouth. Then we come to the Thyatira church. And he tells them you need to hold on fast to what you got. Sometimes all you can do is hold on. All you can do is hold on. Tie a knot in your rope and hold on. Don't let go. Amen. Hold on. You know, be patient because until Jesus comes, repent of tolerating uh, of the false prophecies. Uh, the prophetess, they had someone in that church that was uh, uh, saying all kinds of things. Then we have Sardis, and that the command was, wake up. That church was like cruising. They were on cruise control. They were half asleep at the wheel. We're going to go back all through these in detail, but I just wanted to highlight what he said to each church. Wake up and strengthen what remains. Remember what they have received and heard. Obey it and repent. Again, he says, if you don't, I'm going to come as a thief and take you by surprise. And then, of course, the Philadelphian church, the sixth church, which they're the only church that didn't receive a rebuke. All they received were commendations. Hold on again to what they have so that no man will take your crown. Persevere so that you can become a pillar. And then, of course, the last church, Laodicea, um, 
be earnest and repent of lukewarmness. They were, they were quite happy to just get along and go along. Don't, don't disturb the water. Just, let's just all get along. We can all just be peaceful. Jesus told them, listen, you're, you're actually naked, spiritually naked. You think you're okay. You think you have a beautiful building and you've got all this stuff, but you're actually deficient. So let's go into detail of these churches. Now, that was in, in a broad outline of what he told each church. But let's go into the Ephesian church, which was at that time um, a center for uh, silver. It was there that they, they made a lot of the images and statues that were sold all over Rome. So it was a, a rich church. It was established by Paul, um, and we see that in, in the book of Acts during his second missionary journey around A.D. 52-54. So this was, this was about 22 years after uh, Pentecost was when the Ephesian church was established. And you can, you can go there and see some of these ruins today. In fact, one of the trips that they were sponsoring was to, to go to the seven churches, um, in, in, and most of them are in modern-day Turkey. So it was established by, by Paul when he was going through Asia Minor, and he set that up. And then after he left, he put Timothy, and also tradition says that John... The apostle also was there. Timothy and John are believed to have led the church in Ephesus. Um, and so it was, it was started out a really strong church. You know why? Paul was there. It's the place he spent the longest time. He spent almost, I believe, two to three years in one place, which is the longest time. So that church had a great foundation. They had the great apostle Paul leading them. So they started out on fire, in love doing all the right things. But after Paul went on, he said, he, he warned him, he said, you know, you know what, once I go, he says, wolves are going to come in. People are going to come in and they're going to say all kinds of stuff and start to lead you off the path. So God's command, Jesus' command was repent, turn around, do your first works. Now, the reason why all of these churches were chosen was because there are elements of each kind today. Historically and today, we can all see parts of this that can apply to us. Am I as, as fired up as I used to be? I hope I am, but I want more. Amen? And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. You know how that church started? It started with the disciples of John. And it was in Acts 19 that he started that Ephesus church with the disciples of John who had been baptized according to John's baptism. And then he, he asked them, listen, have you guys received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, no, we listened to Joel Osteen. He tells us all we have to do is raise our hand and believe. <laughs> yeah. We believe that you have now received the Holy Ghost. All you have to do is say this sinner's prayer and raise your hand and you, you've received the Holy Ghost. Paul said, listen, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Ghost. You know, it's amazing that you can read the Bible and some people still not get it. 
You can read the Bible and some people can still not get it when it seems to be as plain as day. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Showing that just believing without understanding doesn't do you any good. And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Well now then, how were you baptized? Well, we were baptized just like Jesus. We were baptized unto John's baptism. So, what do you think about that, Paul? We were baptized just like Jesus. (laughs) Then said Paul, John verily or truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, and that is on Jesus. And when they heard heard this, what happens? They were rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that amazing that people today teach that that is not important or necessary, Sister Joanne? That's right. Yeah, they, they didn't even argue that. As I said, they could have said, listen, we baptize just like Jesus. Jesus was baptized by John. So why do we have to baptize again? But once they understood that John's baptism was only unto repentance, right? And that Jesus was the, was the fulfillment. Remember what John said? Behold, the Lamb of God that does what? He must increase and I must. Amen. When we get that attitude, then God can bless us. When we're humble, amen. When we see truth, to realize that I must decrease, he must always increase. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. How did they know they got the Holy Ghost? They heard them speak with tongues, just as on the day of Pentecost. Of course, there are many denominations today that say all those gifts have gone and passed and they were for just the disciples. But I don't know where they get scripture for that. I don't know where they get scripture for that. That's what he said on the day of Pentecost. This promise is unto you, your children and your children, and as many as the Lord our God shall. So if you are in the many as the Lord our God shall call, then this promise is unto you. Isn't that awesome? Amen. And so this was the foundation of the Ephesian church. He met these these 12 apostles as he was going through Ephesus. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. This was the foundation. And so you know what he did? He decided to stay there. And Paul ended up forming this church and staying there over two, uh, almost three years. And I can imagine that church was on fire. Have you ever come across something you didn't understand before and the Lord opens it up? Doesn't it just make you so excited? You become on fire. Lord, wow, look what I found. Look what the Lord just revealed to me. And you get so excited about the word. I can imagine this church was just like that. Amen. Yet they were in the middle of some of the worst uh, idolatry 
and, 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 and witchcraft or occult because it was the city where Paul um, was arrested later and, and they wanted to stone him. They arrested him because he was speaking out against the silversmith. And that in, the, in, in Ephesus, the god that they worshipped was Diana, which was um, the Greek the Greek gods, and they, they built statues and, and, and uh, temples to Diana. And, of course, he was ruining their business because <laughs> he was saying, God is not in a statue. God has got to be in your heart. Amen. This is not something you can make with men's hands. And so they arrested him and caused all kinds of trouble. But Jesus' command to the church of Ephesus was, listen, you started out great. You, you were on fire. You loved me. But now what's happened to you? You've gotten cold. Repent and do thy first works. The next um, part of that, now today you can go to, to Ephesus. It's not called that. It's in Turkey. It's called Selkuk. And you can see some of the ruins there of some of the temples to the different gods. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast had patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left Thy first love. You know what Satan will try and do? His main weapon is to wear you out. The Bible says he's going to try and wear out the patience of the saints. Well, you just get, you just get worn out. <laughs> you just don't want to do it anymore. You don't want to pay the toll. He just wants to wear you out and make you give up. This is what happened to the church. It's not that they, they had really stopped but their patience and their love and their, their zeal has just been worn out. They were going through the motions, but their first love was not there. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. you got to remember when you first fell in love. Right? Can you, can you remember what attracted you? What, maybe they were tall, dark, and handsome. I don't know. <laughs> You, you, whatever it was, what, whatever it was when you saw that person that attracted you, that's what you got to, you got to stir that memory up with Jesus. What was it that captivated you, that let you know that God had a, a touch for you, that he had a plan for your life? Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick. That's always my prayer. Lord, never remove Rehoboth's candlestick. Let us burn bright. But this thou hast, thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now you may wonder, what, what is he talking about? Well, uh, Nicholas was one of the seven deacons that were appointed in the book of Acts um, to help the apostles. And it is believed um, that name comes from the word Nike. Nike, Nic- Nicolaitans. Now Nike, does anyone know what that means in the Greek? You know, the swish? They put it on all the shoes. It means victory. Yes, just do it. But in the Greek, it actually means victory. That's what its symbol is, victory. 
Uh, Nike was the, the, the means victory. So Nicolations means victory. And the, the last part of that word, um, T-A-N-S, tans, it, it's, it's comes from the Greek metropolitan. So it's really victory or lordship over the people. So what was happening is, you know, you have some, some churches where the pastor is lordship over the people. What he says goes, right? He's just totally in control. So what this means is there, that there, were, there was some doctrine that, you know, there are some churches where the pastor tells you everything, you know. What bread to buy, you know, whether you should do this or that. And God was saying this, and I hate that. Because whose church is it? Right. He says, you, have the, you also hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. They were taking the structure of the church too far and, and making the, the pastor like a god. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. Doesn't that sound good? Which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So the, the, the first church, Ephesus, was one that had started off really good, had a foundation with, with one of the best apostles, Paul, but had fallen off. And God, Jesus was telling them, listen, repent, you need to do your first works. Then we come to the uh, next church. Well, let me finish reading this. And when he had went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. This is Paul when he was founding the church. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated disciples and disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued for the space of two years. So Paul held church in a school. They rented a school and they had church in there. And so all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that's how the Ephesian church got started. The second church I told you about was called Smyrna. And that was the suffering church. That was um, on on the coast of what is now Turkey. And it was an important port city. It was rich in that all of the, the Roman goods and stuff would come into that port. It was um, known for its harbors and public buildings. And it had uh, a famous early church father whose name was Polycarp. And he, he was a, a direct disciple of John. And of course, he was burned at the stake because, remember I said that the emperor Domitian tried to kill John but couldn't, so he exiled him, so he tried to kill any of his disciples. So he managed to, to kill Polycarp, but by that time Polycarp was an old man, and he, he went to the stake gladly. Imagine that. Imagine being willing to die for truth. He wrote, um, there is a, an epistle of Polycarp, and I'll just read it if you can't see. eighty. And six years have I served Christ, nor has he ever done me any harm. How then could I blaspheme my king who saved me? I bless thee for, you can, guys can read it better than me. 
So he was executed and, and burned at the stake. He had taken over from the Apostle John and was the Bishop of, of, of Smyrna. And so that was a place where if you were going to be a Christian, you had, be, you had to be prepared to suffer. Are we prepared to suffer for Christ? We say it, but do we mean it? You know, just some little thing upsets us. <laughs> and we gone. <laughs> so when the emperor says, listen, you need to denounce your religion and worship me or else you're going to be burned. Do you understand that, that uh, some of them were, were torn apart by wild animals? The Romans thought that was sport. They would put the Christians in, the, in these amphitheaters and let loose wild beasts. Uh, they, would, they, would, they would burn them on stakes. They would tar them and set them alight. But this church, God told them, just hold on. Yes, you're going through suffering. Some of us may be going through some suffering. And on to the... So let me go back. I got that mixed up there. Let me uh, see if I can get to Smyrna. Let me read it because I thought I had put it in here. Now that church, it's in Revelation chapter 2. Let me get there. Now, as I said, that church was, was suffering from great persecution because of the emperor at that time, Domitian, decided he would, he would want to uh, have emperor worshipped. From time to time, the emperor's... Uh, tried to unify their domain by having a religion that you had to worship. Then they let you have the other religions, but you also had to add the emperor worship to that. You had to be willing to acknowledge him as a god. And so when you weren't, then you were going to, you're going to be um, put to death. Re- Re- Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, the first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. Isn't that a contrast to the Laodicean church where they thought they were rich, but God said, you are poor. I know your poverty and your, uh, your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Isn't that awesome? The tribulation part is awesome, but the promise part is awesome. Amen. Listen, this life is going to go one way or the other. Either it goes it goes through aging and eventually we go. Or if you're, if you're able to give it to Christ, that's another way to go. Amen. Amen. So Smyrna was the church of suffering. But the command to them was this. Let me read the command. Fear not. I want to make sure I've given, given it to you. Uh, do not fear. Be faithful unto death. That was the command that Jesus gave the Smyrna church. Be faithful unto death. 
Wow. That's something to meditate about, isn't it? Be faithful unto death. Wow. The next church that was there was Pergamos. And Pergamos means uh, elevation or height. Elevation or height. Now, I always joke when people ask me where I'm from. When I, when I go somewhere and they ask me where I'm from and I tell them Pergamos. <laughs> it's not really a good joke, but <laughs> you have to know your Bible to know what I mean when I say that. People say, so where are you from? When I go to different states, I say, I'm from Pergamos. <laughs> and they give me a strange look. <laughs> oh, um, Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee, Pergamos. Let me read it and you'll see if you get it. And to the angel of the church of, in Pergamos, write these things, say, he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat. Even where Satan's seat. You couldn't have a worse place to go start a church, right? <laughs> In Pergamos. <laughs> when many years ago, they I, this is way 30, 30 years ago, I heard people say, oh, Milwaukee is, 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 is preacher's graveyard. I heard them say that. Preachers come here to die. <laughs> but you know what Romans says? Where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Amen. So I'm only joking because the scripture says the gates of hell shall not prevail. So even if this is Pergamos, his gates are not going to prevail. Amen. Amen. So Pergamos means elevated. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with the two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest. Even where Satan, he was saying, listen, I know you're in a tough place. I know you're in a godless city. I know that there's, 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 there's crime, there's drugs, there's shootings, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I know that. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith. Even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you. Again, it repeats it, where Satan dwelleth. Yeah, you may get wounded here, but remember this. The Bible says that eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard what God has got reserved in store for them that love him. Amen. But even in Pergamos, there were some things that they could improve. It's, Jesus says, but I have a few things against thee because that's there, them that teach the doctrine of Balaam. Now that's another one. <laughs> Years ago, I had someone, well, it was, I wasn't pastor then. My father was pastoring and, and someone walked in and he had about five women with him. And they were all his wives. If you study the Old Testament, you'll see the doctrine of Balaam was he was trying to curse Israel, if you remember. He was trying to curse Israel, and it wouldn't work. Every time he went on a mountain to curse Israel, what happened? All he could do was bless Israel. So that didn't work, but he found another way, actually, to bring destruction to Israel. He said, he said listen, if you will send your women, 
you know, your idol worshipers, your <laughs> hoochie mamas or whatever. <laughs> All of the Israel men will go after them and they'll stop following Jehovah. So, you know, that plan worked. And because of that, over 25,000, 25,000 died. This is what it's speaking about. It's talking about mixing the world with the church. Some people have the doctrine of Balaam, that as long as you and God are okay, nothing else matters. How you live doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Some people teach, well, God's grace is so great, you can do anything. And it'd be okay. It'd be okay. No. You teach the doctrine of Balaam, and it says, you also hold, have the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. You also have some, some preachers who are driving in their Learjet and telling you to send, them, send you in your money. <laughs> right? This is all Bible study. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear. See, this is all in the Bible. Why? For our learning, for our understanding, so that we can understand what has gone before. And so to Pergamos, the command was to repent. So to this church also, they were to repent. Okay, let's go to Thyatira. And this, this name means daughter, daughter. And the, the name of the city was named um, by one of the Greek kings, when he was fighting a battle and he was away from home and he heard that his wife had given birth to a daughter. So he named the place Thyatira, which was the name of his daughter. This city was the home of Lydia. Remember one of the first Gentile converts that Paul had come across. And it's most likely also this church was founded by Paul. And it was famous for its linen factories and, 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 and the, the purple dye, which in those days was extremely rare. You couldn't get purple except from certain kind of um, sea creatures, clams that, that, that squirted this purple dye. So it was a very famous uh, for its um, linen and, rare, and, um, and clothing. Revelation 2.18, unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these things saith the Son of God, who hath the eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works. It always starts off with, I know what you're doing. I know your works. I know what you're up to. And your charity and your service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. But unto you I say that unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as you have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden but that which he have already hold fast. So it was a place where some people were doing the right thing, but others were just drifting along. God told us who were listening, hold fast, don't give up. You got to hold on to this thing. Don't let Satan drag you out. You got to hold fast unto truth. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Now it's, it's really interesting, verse 26. Because many people don't realize that, uh, yes, we are saved by grace, but there are things that we're still supposed to do. He that overcometh and keepeth my works. What works? Works of grace, works of faith. Unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. 
Okay, so we've done three churches now, I believe. Let's go on to the next one, Sardis. The command to the church of Sardis. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel in the church of Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. That's one of those churches that sound like everything's going on, but inside they're dead. Now you can see that there's a lot of ruins still in Sardis, in, 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 in that area in Turkey, of some of the temples that they built. The command to that church was to be watchful. Look out. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Got to strengthen those things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. You got to stir up the gift as the, as the model, um, was it last year for the women's? We got to stir up the gift. We got to remember how God called us. We got to remember those things and we got to hold fast unto truth. Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. We're in a day and age where you're going to get deception after deception after deception. Telling you all kinds of things. But Paul said, listen, if I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that which was first delivered, let him be a curse. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis. Now Sardis, they believe, comes from a, the, the word for a special gemstone, which was red in color. I, you have a few names in Sardis which have not uh, defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me. Wouldn't it be great to walk with Christ? Walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, he always ends with a, with a promise. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. Now these first two chapters of Revelation, the scene is Jesus in the holy place, speaking and ministering as high priest to the churches. Chapter 4 begins a whole new thing where the scene changes and it's really the rapture event. Now, on the Day of Atonement, as I've been teaching, the high priest went from the holy place into what was the next room called? Anyone remember? Okay, it was called the most holy place or the holy of holies. So that's why Revelation is written in this way. The first two chapters, the scene is still on earth. The churches are still on earth. Jesus now is ministering as our high priest. He's in the holy place and he's speaking to the churches. Chapter 4 begins completely different. So John says, I heard a voice as it were. First of all, I saw, I saw a door open in heaven and I heard a voice as it were of a trumpet. And what does it say? Come up hither. It's the rapture event. And then you never hear any more in Revelation about the churches because the scene has changed. So we are right now in this, in this church age where Jesus is ministering to us and giving us commands for us to do. Hold fast. Be watchful. Because I'm coming as a thief in the night. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. 
all of these churches, to be truthful, were living in terrible places, full of idol worship, full of the worst kinds of abuses, not much different from where we're living now. They, the Romans aborted babies. In fact, they aborted live children. If they weren't boys, they would just take the live baby girl and take her out to the woods and leave her on a rock. They had all the worst abuses you can think of. This is where the churches were. And yet, God preserved. He was still in the midst of the seven candlesticks. God is still in our midst ministering to us today. No matter what you're going through, if you will listen, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now we're going to go to my favorite church. And that's the church of the Philadelphia It starts out this way, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, now all of you know Philadelphia comes from the word brotherly love. Write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true. Then he makes this strange statement, he that hath the key of David. What? Where did that come from? He that hath the key of David. Um... I have a lock that I've been trying to get into. (laughs) And I had one key that worked. And I went to Menards and I just confidently made the machine. I said, I want five copies. So it plopped out five copies. And you know, not one one of them worked. But I wasn't going to be defeated. I went back to Menards and I said, Maybe I put the wrong key in there. And I very carefully looked at the key that was supposed to be the key. And I put, I want five copies. And I got five copies. And would you believe? (laughs) Not one of them worked. So I'm out ten keys. So finally I said, you know what? I'm not going to go to this machine anymore. I'm going to find me an Ace Hardware and have a man make me a key. (laughs) See, I needed the key of David. (laughs) (laughs) these things saith he that is holy he that is true he that hath the key of David now what is the key of David well you have to go to the Old Testament to find it and there's not a lot um, said about it and I didn't want to go into it too much today but it was the key that was given to the to Eliakim who was um, the 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 chief um, prime minister you want to say in 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 Hezekiah's time. And that key was the main key of state that opened all of the major doors. God is saying, listen, I have the key to the Philadelphian church. I can open any door for you or I can close any door. That's what this promise is. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth. And listen, if God has got something for you, nobody can take it. If God has something for you, it doesn't matter what happens. No one can take it. Jesus said, listen, none can pluck anything out of his hand. When God opens a door, no one can shut it. When God shuts a door, no one can open it. That's the promise to the Philadelphian church. That if God opens a door for you, it is open. Amen. And nothing anyone says. I can look back on my life and I can see so many times when uh, the powers that be said no. But God said yes, and he overruled them. 
he overruled them. Going back to my teenagers, I was in college and I, I failed this one exam and that was supposed to be it. Because I'd failed it twice. That was supposed to be it. That was it. You can't take it again. You have to repeat the whole course. <laughs> but, but God uh, interfered. That's a good word. Interfered. <laughs> That's my made up word. He interfered. And the dean came to me and said, you know, uh, we've been talking about your circumstance and we're going to let you take that a third time. Me alone. Only me. In this whole room, the college let me sit. And this time God did the miraculous. It was like Peter fishing all night. And he let me pass it with a much higher score. See, when God has a key, nobody can shut the door. And when God shuts the door, nobody can open it. Let's read this. Wherefore the rather, Second Peter 1.10. Wherefore the rather brethren... Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if he do these things, he shall never fail. For an entrance, that means a doorway, shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Let me read that again, see if it makes sense. Paul, Peter here is saying, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do those things, you shall never fall. You know what's going to happen? God is going to open a door for us. So an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm sure you're all tired of me telling you about that mortgage thing, but they sent me a decline. Say, no, we're not doing anything for you. (laughs) But God had told me something different. So I called them up and they said, oh, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. No, we, we're going to do all these things for you. It was amazing. It was, it was like a huge miracle. When God opened the door, it doesn't matter what man says. Amen. Matthew 16, 9, And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You need to just point to some devils and do some binding. <laughs> you need to point. My parents are very good at that. They would walk around places and point to things. You you know their testimony. They would point to things and say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. And that would be it. God would honor their faith. Amen. We need to try out some of those things. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I am... He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. Remember I said to remember that. Remember that. Let's go a little bit further. In Acts 14, Paul here is is trying to, to, to witness. I'll just read it. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith. Unto the Gentiles. You see, when God does something, He does it well. When we try and force something, sometimes we break stuff. But when He does it, He does it well. Second Corinthians 2.12. Furthermore, when I came to trust to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. When God wants something to happen, He can make it happen. All we have to be is like the Philadelphian church, to be present, to be ready, to be willing. Colossians 4.3, 
Without praying also for us that God sh- sh- would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. See, Paul was still preaching even when he was in Rome being arrested. He wasn't stopping. He wasn't let the devil um, keep him in bonds at all. Amen? Let's end up with the, with the last church. That was the promise to the Philadelphian church that they would be given the key of David. Not only that, they were given the promise that he was going to keep them from the hour of tribulation that should come upon the whole world to try it. Isn't that awesome that God can give you a promise that he's going to keep you from tribulation? Then we come to the Laodicean church. Revelation 3.14 And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. There it is again. People say we don't have to do anything. Well, every time he speaks to these churches, he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, and here's where the command is, I will spew thee, out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have no need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Here was a church who really didn't need God. They, didn't, they felt they didn't really need, they were just going through the motions. You know when you need God? When you need something. When you have a need is when you, you, you will know to pray. When you're going through something, when the doctor says, okay, you only have six months or, or you're going to need this opera, that's when you get on your knees. When you can't pay the bill, when you have a need for God. This church said, I'm okay. We got it all together. And because of that, they were lukewarm. They didn't pray with any conviction. They didn't pray with any real desire. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. They weren't doing anything real bad. No. They didn't have the doctrine of the Nicolaitans or the doctrine of Balaam, but they were just meh. M-E-H, right? You ask people how they're meh. <laughs> just meh. Ho-hum. <laughs> Another Sunday. Let's go see what they got to teach me today. Man, that service so dry. <laughs> man, that was a man. Listen, you better bring your own Holy Ghost. Right? I don't have enough for you. I'm just going to have the oil in my vessel and the oil in my lamp. You need to bring your own. If you run out, that's why you're dry. Not because of me. I'm rejoicing. I'm praising God. I'm thanking him. I'm lifting up his name. Amen. So this Laodicean church, they thought they were okay. But the command was to them, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I counsel thee to buy me gold. The one thing, God's mercy, he gave them a chance. He said, listen, there is a way for you to come back from this. I counsel you to buy of me gold. You may stand. I'm running out of time. Tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy naked. They didn't even realize that they were naked before God. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with thyself that thou mayest see. And here's the point that God still loved them. Isn't that awesome? 
As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So the final command to them was, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and we will, and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Amen. If we love God, the Bible says, John 14, 15, what will we do? We will keep his commandments. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. And he says that his commandments are not burdens. When you love someone, it doesn't even feel like you're trying. Right? If you love what you're doing, it doesn't even come like work. People have to say, stop, you need a break. Because you're enjoying it. When you serve God with gladness, when you understand what's happening and how God loves you, it's not going to be even burdensome. He says, my yoke is easy. Amen. We're going to close this Bible study. I hope you've enjoyed this month on commandments. We're coming up to the Christmas season. So next month we will be, um, our topic will be the incarnation. Amen. And we're going to look at some of the beautiful things that God did to leave heaven and to become a baby. Amen. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. Help it to find good soil. Let there be an anointing in our second service, Lord. I pray you would empower the preacher, Lord. I pray our worship, Lord, will ascend to your throne room as our prayers. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love. Lord, help us, O oh God, to be obedient to your word. We lift up your name and we give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's give God a praise offering before we close.